Hi, I'm Khalilo Reynolds and welcome to Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. But before we get started, head over to my website, KhalilaReynolds.com to subscribe to our newsletter. You can click the link up here or in the description box below. Now, come on, let's get this money. First up, Pulse Investments was the top performing stock of 2020, gaining a whopping 222% in the middle of a pandemic and ending the year at $4.83. We'll speak with Chairman for Pulse Investments, Kingsley Cooper, on the remarkable performance and plans for 2021 and beyond. And later, the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. They'll tell us their 2020 standouts and outlook for the year ahead. Plus, an assessment of Wicked and Wind Farm results and an upcoming stock split for Salada. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Is Maybury Jamaican Equities MJE dumping its holdings in Dermond Trading Company? Well, recent events had been suggesting some corporate shifting was taking place in the financial market against the backdrop of Derman's additional public offer APO. As at September, MJE was the second largest shareholder in Derman. They were also the lead broker for Derman's IPO in 2013, but are not handling the company's APO, nor are they a selling agent. But in December, Mayberry advertised that it was selling Derman's shares at $2.38, commission-free, each for anyone wanting to get in. That's two cents below the APO price for the public. They said they could guarantee fills up to 439 million shares, which is exactly the amount of shares it owns. The advertisement left many to speculate about Mayberry's intentions and whether they were violating JSE rules by underselling the APO. Taking Stock understands that the Financial Services Commission, FSC, asked Mayberry to issue a clarification. The company has since issued a public advisory, clarifying that its offer is not part of the Derman APO. WhatsApp has delayed the rollout of its updated privacy policy after an outcry over the changes sent users flocking to smaller rival messaging services like Signal and Telegram. The cutoff date for its 2 billion users to accept the updated terms and conditions has been moved to May 15 instead of February 8. Parent company Facebook said it decided to delay the update to address the confusion and misinformation about the planned policy change. Critics said the new policy would have forced users to share personal data with Facebook. However, Facebook said the privacy change only relates to how users can message a business on WhatsApp, and the policy changes are merely intended to improve transparency and how they collect and use data. Digicel Jamaica has named Jabor Kayamov as its new Chief Executive Officer CEO. Kayamov replaces Alison Philibert, who resigned at the end of 2020 after leading a transition at the company. In a statement, Digicel said that Kayamov comes to the post with much experience, having previously headed the company's Trinidad operations within the last two years. Most recently, he spearheaded the relaunch of Digicel as a digital operator in the Twin Island Republic. Kayamov said he's excited and honored to be given the opportunity to lead operations in Jamaica, Digicel's flagship country. Proven Investments is supporting a 75% take-up of its additional public offer in the first three days since the invitation opened. The offer opened on January 8 and is scheduled to close on January 29. Proven is offering just over 134 million ordinary shares and hopes to raise up to $4.3 billion or $30 million U.S. 
Co-founder and CEO of Proven Management, Christopher Williams, said he's satisfied with the response to the APO, especially during this period of uncertainty and shifts caused by the pandemic. Proven plans to use the proceeds of the offer to build its capital base and pursue expansion and acquisition opportunities. The Wisinka Group is thinking of buying back some of its shares from the market to get the stock price trending up again. Wisinka Group Chairman William Mafood made the disclosure to shareholders during the company's virtual annual general meeting last week. The stock is currently trading within the $16 band but has closed as high as $24 in the past year. Its decline coincided with the overall drop in the market following the COVID-19 outbreak starting in March 2020. Some 3.75 billion Wisinka shares trade on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. First Rock Capital Holdings has acquired five luxury residential units on the Seven Mile Beach in Grand Cayman at a cost of over three million U.S. dollars, according to First Rock Group co-founder and CEO Ryan Reed. The company secured financing of about 1.6 million U.S. towards the acquisition. This represents the company's second major investment in the country, having deployed some three million U.S. dollars in a luxury development in the West Bay area of Cayman in 2019. RF Holdings has partnered with financial technology company BIT to build a platform to allow for digital currencies across the region to be accepted and accessed by a wider network of Caribbean clients. RF Holdings is the parent company of a group of investment banks in the Bahamas, Barbados and the Cayman Islands. The platform will be based on BIT's digital currency infrastructure. The immediate goal is to facilitate transactions based on available digital currencies in the Bahamas and Barbados. The services will eventually be offered to the rest of the Caribbean. What's Hot was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. And when we come back, 2020 was a standout year for Pulse Investments, which is no longer just a modeling company. They've diversified into media and real estate. We'll hear more about their plans. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agent. Insurance made easy. Welcome back to Taking Stock. Pulse Investment skyrocketed as the number one stock of 2020. How did they perform so well during a pandemic? Joining us now to discuss is Chairman of Pulse Investments, Kingsley Cooper. Hi Kingsley, welcome to Taking Stock, your first time on the program and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and great to be with you, Kalila. And what a good time to have you on. Number one on the Jamaica Stock Exchange last year, your stock price up 222%. You've had a great year. We have had. We, we can't complain. And, you know, it's particularly satisfying in a year that has been as challenging as 2020 was. Um, so, you know, it's good to know that we are largely COVID resilient and that our shareholders have taken note. And so it's, it's really quite satisfying. Yeah, so you also had a, a stock split earlier in the year. You had announced plans for an APO that had to be put on hold due to the circumstances, which are understandable. We're gonna get into all of that. But to what do you attribute Pulse's stellar performance in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic? Well, you know, we have, over the years, we have diversified. Although some of our income streams were challenged, others were not. For example, our rentals business surprisingly held up very well because we have a number of spaces we rent here at Trafalgar as well as at Villa and I. You must have been up to Majestic, um, the restaurant there. 
And um, this is a time that we were pushing for additional attendances. But that has been one of the strong performers. Television has been a very strong performer in, in the COVID period because, of course, more people have been staying home and watching TV. So programming we have found broadcasts as in, in different markets, new markets and, and even markets that we've been in for some time, asking for additional programming oh, yeah? and so on. So, content. so you know, content has been, I know content has been, there's been a demand for content in COVID. I mean, my business has, has certainly benefited from that. Absolutely. But I've heard other, I've heard media entities complain that there's been a fall off in advertising. Is that one right. of your revenue streams too? Not significant. I mean, yes, but that's not the main part of it. We, you know, we get paid for programming. So that is a, a key for us. So, um, you know, those are areas that have done very well. And of course, there are other things like, um, you know, as we continue to expand our real estate portfolio, um, the whole business of investment property gains and so on. So, you know, there are a number of things that we have done. The modeling industry had a, a sharp decline at COVID time, but as after a while, it sort of got its, found its legs again. Certainly in New York, where most of our top people are, so that has not been so bad. I mean, we did have a decline, but we saw a, a pretty strong resurgence. And Alicia Burke, for example, who's our top model, is doing really, really well. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of things have happened that have been gratifying. And overall, that has helped us to maintain the level of profitability that we would like. Right. And as you mentioned, the modeling industry, that is something that I think most people still recognize the Pulse brand as. And there may be, I'm sure there are many people who don't even know that you're as diversified as you are into real estate, into media, into all these different things that you do. How much is, uh, is the modeling part weighted in your portfolio now since you've diversified so much? Wow, it's less than 10%. What's the, um, what's the bulk of your portfolio now? Uh, bo- the bulk of it is real estate mm. um, and, and um, television. So real estate is probably about almost 50% or around 50%. Um, TV, about 30%. And everything else, another 10%. And modeling, just under 10%. So yeah. it's a pretty, pretty diverse. And there are other areas, too, that I have not mentioned because the numbers are not that significant right. yet. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of things we have put on hold, things like Pulse Global or expansion of even the opening of the, the suites at Villa Renai and so on, we have put on hold because of the pandemic. So once these actually get off the ground, because our performance over the last couple of years um, has been without the benefit of Pulse Global, without the benefit of Pulse Suites and even Pulse Rooms at Trafalgar, it's a relatively small part of our business. So, you know, once those come on stream post-pandemic, we're very optimistic that things are going to go, you know, through the roof. And then, of course, we have Pulse Homes coming on stream in the Valley in 2022. So that's something else to look forward to. We're going to do 30 three-bedroom um, homes, eco-friendly homes in that lush, tranquil space at Villa and I. So a lot to look forward to. You acquired a part ownership in a, a New York radio station last year too, right? We haven't. We intended to, and we still might, but because of some of the the changes we had to make, it hasn't happened yet, but we have a strong um, association and partnership with Irijam, and we hope that in time we will get that done. 
Mm-hmm. But you have, it sounds like you have a, a lot of plans in the works and you are positioning yourself for growth. Tell me some more about Pulse Homes, this project mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. upcoming. It's in, you said Villa Ronay, and that's a property owned by you personally. Right, but Pulse is acquiring that property, in, actually in the process now of acquiring it. Uh, and um, it's, it's really exciting because if you know Villa Ronay, it's such a lush and beautiful, it's beautiful. place. beautiful, yes. And of course, most people just know the, when you get into Villarnay, the front of Villarnay, but it goes down the valley, across the valley, going towards Kingston. It's all of nine acres. So the homes will be in that area, the valley and the, the hills surrounding the valley, so that um, you know each home will have its um, its own discrete space and you know eco-friendly and you know we're going to maintain that lush environment with all the plant life and it, you know the, everything else and so on and a little bit of Mrs. Ronai's artifacts and so on will be reflected in, in the space so um, it's something that's pretty exciting and if you've seen the drawings you'll understand that the architects have done an amazing job. So what type we, of price point are you looking at for these homes? Um, it's, it's luxury-ish somewhere around there you're looking at maybe about 70 million for um, three bedroom homes um, they are not townhouses; they are actual homes with their own land space around them and everything. Although it's a gated community, but of course, at this stage, we're still waiting on the final billing approvals and so on to actually what, sell. What so we're not se- Yeah, well, we hope to start building in April, May, and to complete at the end of 2022. Mm, okay. Well, you know, you mentioned that your real estate portfolios, you said surprisingly, hadn't been very hardly hit, hadn't been very hard hit. And I noted the word of the, the choice of that word surprisingly, because it had surprised me as well, not just your real estate portfolio, but the performance of real estate in general during this pandemic. A lot of people had expected prices to fall. Uh, quite significantly, as they tend to do during a recession, but real estate has held firm. Uh, and, in most, think- and in many cases, prices have risen. Yes. Um, Why I, is it's, that? It, it's Why has it real proves, estate been unaffected by the pandemic? It proves that people, you know, real estate is very resilient. People will always want a, a, a great space in which to live. They see real estate still as one of the best investments you can make, if not the best investment. Certainly for the average, you know, the average person. And so, you know, real estate continues to be in demand. And, and somehow it's, you know, demand is outstripping supply. Because we thought with all of those high rises going up and everything else happening, you know, people struggling to qualify for mortgages and so on. But then there are also a lot of cash buyers. Mm. And you're seeking to take advantage of that. Well, you know, you have to take advantage of all your opportunities, as you know, especially yes. when there are areas that in, in which that, that you have to just sort of put on hold. Yes, but you've chosen to go into the, the luxury home development as opposed to all the high-rise luxury apartments that have been on the market. And that's a strategic move, too. So why did you choose this segment of the market? Easy choice because we're talking about Villa Renai. Mm. So obviously you're not going to put a high rise at, in Villa Renai. You're going to put something in there that's eco-friendly. 
that reflects the essence of what Villarna is about, that whole tranquility and that um, natural beauty and the whole timelessness of that space. Um, the Ronai family developed Villarnai almost 100 years ago, 80 odd years ago. And I started the, the reconstruction back in the, in the 90s. We have always thought it important to maintain the essence of Villarnai, the, the natural beauty, the tranquility, the timelessness. And I might have mentioned that Mrs. Ronai and her family developed the property 80 odd years ago. So we have tried to, to ensure that, you know, the, the key artifacts and the sculptures in the gardens and so on have always, have all remained intact. intact. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have adopted a new mantra for Pulse, which is leisure, lifestyle, living. The whole idea of combining the creative elements of, of Pulse, the beauty, um, whether it's models or, or um, any of the our fashion, with media, with uh, hospitality, with the Villa and I features, and now with the homes. And so the whole idea is living. And you know all of those elements in a unique blend that now represents the new Pulse. You know, what led you to make that transition? And, and how long has it been since you've been putting more emphasis on the real estate portfolio? It's been a while, you know, because we acquired Trafalgar Road. Well, I acquired Trafalgar Road in, in, in 89 and Villarreal 94. But it was always meant to be a facility for Pulse. And so we've been slowly developing over the years and, 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 and expanding and, and um, bringing everything to bear. So even as persons might have thought that we were not as keen on modeling or we're not as keen on fashion and, and, and everything else, we used to do concerts, as you know, and the clubs and all of that. It wasn't that we weren't so keen, but it was that we were developing other areas of our business to create something that was more diverse, but at the same time had synergies that made them all work together and then to come in the end to create one product that pulls all of these elements together and creates something that is beautiful and unique and special in the market. And even though I'm talking to you now as chairman, Kingsley, your daughter has actually taken over as CEO in the day-to-day -day operations. You must be pretty proud of her. I am, and actually she is one of two CEOs. Safia is doing an amazing job. And so is Rumi, Rumi Gordon, who is managing director, but her portfolio is fashion, television, the modeling agency, the, more of the creative side. Mm -hmm. And Safia is the real estate, the, the nuts and bolts, the, the, you know, the properties, the hospitality, those areas. So, you know, they're both playing critical roles in the business. And my, I'm in transition mode. So, so, you know, although I'll be there to help and guide and support. You want to just live your life now, right? Years. I'm sorry? You want to live your life now? Well, you know. <laughs> I'm sure, I would, although I'm I would, sure you I have want, lived. I'm sure I would want to say, I'd want to say yes, but the truth of the matter is that the best life I've lived has been my life at Pulse. Yes. And doing the things that we do. And that is one of the reasons why we chose this life, or I chose this business, I chose this life because... It allowed me to do business, build business, build something that had never been done before. Yes. But at the same time, to enjoy my life. 
And if you think about all the things that Pulse does from um, the, the parties to the to the events to the to the model industry to you know everything else, real estate and and places like Avila and I, you understand that I really do enjoy this life to the max. Yes, I'm I'm very sure of that. You've had to travel all over the world amongst exactly. the company of the most beautiful women. I mean, who wouldn't want Kingsley Cooper's life, right? Um, I mean, it's, year, unfortunately, you know, it's not as wonderful as it seems. <laughs> you know, there's so much hard work, work and yes. so much challenge because trying to make business out of something that everybody sees as fun mm -hmm. is not always the easiest thing. That's First true. of all, a lot of people don't take it seriously. And then secondly, you know, even the people who take it seriously, you know, would say, you know, it's uh, it's just too much, you know. So, you you know, it's a challenge for a lot of people in different ways. Yes, yes. Last year, we heard talk of an APO for Pulse, and that seems to be the trend. A lot of companies coming to market to raise additional capital. And based on the things that you've you know, outlined so far, it sounds like, you have a lot of plans and you're going to, to you need a lot of money, money, right? Yeah. Want some money to, to fund all of these plans. Yes, so tell we have, me where you are with the APO now. We haven't forgotten the APO plan. Um, but you know, even some of the big financial uh, companies pull back in COVID as you, as you would have seen, I see them now coming back to the market. And obviously, there's a sense that there is a greater ability to raise funds now in the, in the capital market. So it's something we certainly are going to look at again, um, maybe in, if not in 21, certainly in 22. But we are also looking at other forms of funding, because as you rightly say, these plans are going to take quite a bit of cash. And, you know, moving from the millions to the billions, you know, it's that kind of demand or, or requirement in terms of what you, you're going to need to accomplish all these objectives. Right, because there's also a lot of competition for funds on the market now, since everything that was on hold in 2020 is now coming in in 2021. So you're looking at alternative forms of funding. Can you say what types you're looking at? Um, probably bond funding. Um, we, already have, we already have secured some some funding, but you know, we, we will announce soon once we are in a position to because, you know, we have to tell the stock exchange first what right. we're doing. You're going Otherwise, to be using the JSE's new private market? Um, probably, but can't say too much. Right. You know, I don't want to get a note on, on Monday morning from anybody. <laughs> I know how that is. They're very Harvest Street. So. <laughs> yes, they're very but, but, but there are plans in the works and we're pretty advanced with a lot of it. Okay, so you're not relying on this APO to, to go ahead with, for example, Villa uh, no. Ranai Homes. No, we're moving forward. We're moving forward regardless. And the APO will come, you know. And if there are, if there's uh, money we have to retire as a, you know, from APO proceeds or further expansion from APO proceeds, whatever we have to do, we'll do it then. But there's no reason not to go forward. And there is enough income to be generated in terms of our operations as well as the new activities in terms of selling the homes because we'll sell maybe sell half of them keep half of them something like that um so you know there's no reason not to go forward 
Where do you see Pulse Investments in the next five years? Wow, um, that might be a better question for Safia and Romé, but, but, but the truth of the matter is that I think that we'll be looking at a, a, a much larger entity, um, possibly even more diverse, um, possibly even more international, um, given the, the fact that by then we hope um, COVID will have you know, receded totally. Um, it, certainly in five years. Uh, so I just think you know, it's going to be so much more in, in every respect. Well, I look forward to witnessing this ride in 2021 and beyond Kingsley. All the best to you and Pulse. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. And I, it's my first time. Hopefully it won't be my last. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> All right. Thank Especially you. Especially if you keep performing the way you have. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agent. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. Brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. The Jamaica Stock Exchange declined last week, with the combined index losing almost 1%. 102 stocks traded across both the main and the junior markets of the JSC for the week ending Friday, January 15, 2021. 36 advanced, 51 declined, and 15 stayed the same. 124 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling nearly $414 million. Darimon Trading Company, which currently has an additional public offer on the market, traded the most. It took up 25% of market volume. The stock gained $0.03 cents to open the week at $2.38, two cents below APO price, and notably the same price being sold by Mayberry. Wigton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares traded the second most, with people buying and selling 13 million shares in the company. The stock lost $0.01 cent to close last week at $0.74. Cents. And Trans-Jamaican Highway was also among the most traded, taking up 10% of market volume. The stock lost $0.05 cents to open the week at $1.30. Now let's see who else had the biggest gains. JMMB Group 7.25% VRJMDCR preference shares rose nearly 36% last week. The stock starts this week at $1.63. Mailpack Group gained nearly 30% to close last week at $3.74. And Salada Foods Jamaica shares gained nearly 21%, its stock ending the week at $34.67. On the losing side now, Epley fell 26% to close last week at $20.61. Sterling Investments USD fell nearly 16% to end last week at $0.02 a share US. And rounding off our major decliners, KLA Group declined 15%, down to $1.16. Market Recap was brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, is brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers and Proven Wealth. Welcome back to Taking Stock. I've got a team of analysts to examine the week in business. I'm joined by equity trader at JMMB, Clive Charlton, investment analyst at Proven Wealth, Julian Morrison, and business writer at The Observer, David Rose. Happy New Year, guys. Our first uh, time seeing each other since the year started. Hope it's a good year. Uh, I hope it's off to a good start for all of you. <laughs> 
So we want to first look back at 2020 and look ahead as well at 2021. I see, David, you had an article in the Observer with your top picks for 2021. So what stood out for you in 2020 and what are you looking at for the new year? Well, it was a great opportunity after during the COVID, after the COVID crash because there were, there were two events in the year that I would have called major turning points, which I mean, as I would say, I attempt to take profit and then re-enter later. So when Transjam Prospectors dropped, I, I reduced my position in that timeline to, you know, reduce the, the selling pressure that would have come on the several stocks as persons rushed to invest in Transjam. And then the second event was, uh, was COVID. So those two preceding events around February, March, really, end up putting the market down, but in that same sense, bring to the opportunity for buying. So you even saw great stocks like, you know, the Sajiko Jamaica went to as low as $34, you know, in JMB at 28, NCB at 130. You had so many steals during the last year, whereas you say side companies and even companies that rallied later on in the year. So we also have Google Pulse, which was the best performer for 2020, 122%, went to 65%. At that point in the year, and that was you know preceded by the company's uh, decent run up in the final quarter of 2019, and then stocks which end up for the drive in the price. Although the company get executed their APU as planned, the overall stock split and in the further optimism and pulse results, which was driven heavily by re-evaluation gains, I end up pushing the stock very high. So in adjusted split terms, sports have said the year at around 90 cents and ended around like probably like four dollars ninety. That's a, a pretty good execution or return for your money. A dollar fifty to four dollar ninety. So you can see the kind of returns you have received. Only pulled before the split and after the split. Then you had Sibony, you know, index high performance, hundred percent. But that was even in the last quarter in terms of you know relative speculation because Sibony isn't still a company that's operating anymore. It's still listed listed because the principals of FinSec want to sell somebody else to the real takeover, but no one has taken up the offers yet. So that bond seems to be 100%, to my limit since 22 cents. It seems like something, but as I said, it was just really true speculation in that sense. Then you had other guys like Epley, Key Insurance, Mailpack, uh, Margaret Hill, Turks JMD. Margaret Hill was an outlier, but uh, there are certain companies that were attracted, but we gained their strength later in the year as the market started to recover and in some sense or semblance. Uh, with respect to 2021, there are going to still be some struggle in terms of the index recovering because about 50% of the index or more of it, or about that range is tied towards NCB, FG, Sajika Group, Jamaica, and Scotia Group. So, and by right to this Entedonja Bendela Club, so those stocks are really, if they don't really move within the year, as we saw like in 2019, the market itself would still be going at a slower rate compared to prior times. Okay, so that's David's year in review. Julian, what was the highlight of 2020 for you and what are you looking forward to in 2021? Well, the highlight was definitely Barita's capital raise. That was also another turning point on a positive note. What it did was change the paradigm in terms of capital raising because Clearly, the economic fallout combined with the pullback in the index would have shifted investor expectations. 
but seeing a company raise that amount of capital on the same market shows some kind of proof that businesses can still take advantage of the capital market in a successful and meaningful way. Um, as we have seen, that capital has been put to work already in the Dairyman deal. So apart from that, there are some other companies that really did well in terms of their earnings. You know, Sepra did really well last year. There are a few others. I expect strong performance from Fontana even because these businesses have been able to really focus on their business model and take advantage of the situation at hand. So for example, in the case of separate, clearly they sell consumer staples. So these goods will do well in economic conditions that are adverse because people still have to consume basic food items, regardless of what's going on in the economy. Um, and the, in the case of Fontana, they have a very strong niche. They have very good strategic locations. There are still dividends to be had, pun intended, from their new location, fairly new location, Waterloo location. Their parking lot is always full and their clientele has a certain level of income. So because of their niche and the fact that they have a novel shopping experience, they have a very strong competitive advantage relative to the context of Jamaica. And I still think they have further to go, especially if they intend to expand in new stores. So the highlight was the fact that, yes. So the highlight is the fact that there are companies that were still able to, one, raise capital, and two, outperform in terms of profitability. Right, so, more than weather the storm. Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to it. NCB did well, I think, um, regarding the circumstances. Their investment in Guardian has proven to be an excellent move um, and that's what they call you know strategic business planning because we can see where the guardian insurance um, investment really supported them on a segment basis when you look at the segment performance it's really the insurance that that carried them through in terms of um, a comparison across segments so we expect more deals to be had in the future, both from NCB and other companies. They announced Stratos, so that should also um, reap rewards for the company and for shareholders alike. So let's see. You know, I'm bullish, and I think this year should be even more exciting. We should see more capital raises. The fact that last we had less capital... Last year was exciting in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I, I even know if exciting would be the word I would use to describe last year. So, so recovery should begin this year. Clive, what are your thoughts on, what's your assessment of 2020? Anything stood out for you in the year? What were your highlights? And 2021, look ahead. 2020 was really unusual. I think, as I say, it's 100 years since this pandemic. You know, we've had a few outbreaks in our previous years, but this one is global. Um, I think our economy has been coming through a recovery process, you know, over the last several years. It began probably about six, seven years ago. And then, bam, this tourism was doing well. Uh, micro, and there's a major shift and focus on micro and MSMEs. And then this pandemic happened, and it really threw a lot of businesses, especially small businesses out. So the, the big highlighted, um, uh, uh, the, the, the highlighted what I've seen, the, the big highlights from in 2020, 
is, um, of course, the pandemic and its effect on the marketplace. But again, this, uh, behind every dark cloud is a silver lining. So when prices decline, you know, especially for re uh, issues related not directly to the businesses, but ex exogenous bis um, uh, reasons, then there's a new opportunity. The financial companies would have had a, a liquidity issue, you know. So the government, through persuasion with the authorities, BOJ, and I think I thought it was a very sensible and you know timely move, you know, um, curtail the, the 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 payment of dividend. Of course, it impacted largely significant shareholders, you know, companies that owned one percent and less. Many companies, financial companies directly, and financial holding companies, you know, uh, paid out perhaps to the less persons who held less than one percent uh, of shareholdings. So that to me was significant. But there are quite a number of highlights, positive highlights. 2020, I think, began with a lot of companies having some strategic move to grow their business lines, and then many of them had to postpone it. But quite a few things happened because we have seen, for example, a few takeovers, mergers, and acquisitions. We have seen a few consolidations. Uh, you know, we talk about the dividend policy, which means that companies retain the capital and therefore can drive business. And I think a very interesting thing to me highlighted is that Barita tested the market, was the first to test the market, yes. the capital market. Yes, and another the, choice of Barita. Yes, that, exactly. that definitely was a turning point because now yes. we've seen this flood of IPOs, exactly. APOs coming out after the Barita yes. success. And yes. they did it in a huge way. So Clive, what are way. your picks for 2021? Well, here's what I can say. Um, I think the financial sector will um, make a turnaround, largely because of the how their financial statements are positioned versus the real sector. You know, uh, financial companies, uh, whereas a real sector has factories, has inventory, you know, has all these hard physical tangible assets that did not decline as much on the balance sheet. So the value of the company remains relatively stable during the COVID period. Financial companies were different. They have larger financial assets. These are tradable and fairly very liquid. So these had a precipitous hit during the COVID period and prices fell. So their balance sheet was impacted heavily. And that is why BOJ kind of came in and said, you know, we, we will help you, the government, the authorities, but help yourself also in terms of how much cash you release through dividend payment. And people and shareholders understood that, you know. Any specific that, ones in the financial sector that you're okay. bullish on? Okay, well, I'm certainly bullish on, on um, a, a company that is very late. The PNL is is still struggling, I believe, but it's in recovery fears, I think, Scotia Group. The balance sheet is wonderful. I think it's one of the best balance sheets uh, pre-COVID in the, in the financial sector industry. I'm also bullish. We don't speak uh, much on our own company. We don't recommend that all our own company. But the acquisition of Sajikor Group is a big plus in 2019, and the benefits flowed right over into 2020. That even though we had an impact, COVID impacted us, you know, we were able to stave off some of that impact. But the company began to recover quickly in the latter part of the year, you know. Um, yes, I'm looking at Derrimont, which is still in the capital raising phase, but one. They were able, what interests me most about them is that even though revenue is relatively flat, gross revenue, they have, well, we were doing our investigations long before and we realized that they were focusing heavily, they were data-driven. 
you see? And they were focusing strictly on the numbers in terms of their acquisition, their placement of business, and how they, you know, they run the business lines. And it, 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 it worked out. If you look at their nine months results, now with this APR, they're going to pay down on debt. How much are the whole? I don't know. But they could save upward of two, nearly 200 million on their costs in their PNL. That would boost earnings per share. Of course, the balance sheet is going to be well improved. You see, um, they're going to make some acquisitions in the high, um, heavily what you call it ethnic markets in the United States and those companies have done some research on them have been doing quite well so we expect that to come on so I think that is a company that we should also look into mm -hmm. so let's get David's uh, 2021 picks because David you gave us your year in review but I still want to hear what are you bullish on for 2021 so you kind of saw some picks in the observer yes. <laughs> yeah and that way. so for one, first rock for sure, because for one, companies doing relatively well enough has been paying out dividends stable. And on top of that, made a acquisition. She's been making some significant headway in some of the real estate projects. And, you know, they're pushing it in Guyana, which was a, a great outlet, if you want to call it that, across the 2020 segment, you know, geographical space we were. So, and remember, they came at book value at IPO, trading still below book value, or quote unquote IPO price. So there's a great upside potential right there in that sense of once they're able to execute acquisitions or actually accrue things onto the income statement, it's going to be a different story. Then you have the big player, Mailpack. So, so we put some Mailpack actually run up this week, like from like uh, $2.80 to like $3.60 to Thursday. So with Mailpack, what we saw those price smart lines were just ridiculous. And then the third quarter, which was September 2020, showed us and demonstrated that Mailpack literally has a far way to go before they, where we can really start to appreciate the value they present. So what we saw about price smart was that more persons were using price smart through Mailpack to order their goods. More persons were ordering goods going to Jamaica, tablets, office furniture, different items needed to, you know, make your home life relatively more stable and, you know, make this adjustment easier. So, yes, you're going to be seeing that kind of level of imports going into 2021. And back is a courier that has, you know, said that they're going to expand within the Caribbean, not necessarily just acquire companies in Jamaica, because as people need to remember, it's a low barrier entry field and it's a zero-sum game to keep acquiring competitors without actually having a strategic mindset of how you're going to grow the business. So if, when they actually start going into the Caribbean this year, your potential acquisitions is going to be pretty interesting because technically that generates upwards of $100 million every quarter and it's pays mainly in dividends. And they can now just you know, take some of that cash and just put it into acquisitions or just use that kind of cash flow generation to leverage debt. So there are a lot of things that we can come out of that. Then you have the great guys between GK and as Claire mentioned, DTL. So Grace Kennedy, you know, benefited heavily through the food segment. You know, their nine months basically surpassed their 12 months, 2019, with just one quarter to go. And money services were still taking a heavy incline in terms of growth. Even though the banking investment side took a hit or a slowdown, I remember that Grace Kennedy acquired a controlling stake in key. So as key gets into profitability now, it's going to actually start to accrue basically to the insurance segment. And when you look at it even further with the food segment, people are still staying home. We still haven't have these events as yet. 
And we still need to have school until probably like September 2021, 20, if it's still safe to go about then. So Gershkin is a great choice to look at. And even Derman in that case where, as Kevin mentioned, the ethnic market they're looking at. So when you talk about ethnic market, you know, it's just mainly in a particular diaspora or focused. Right. So African, this particular and company. African and Caribbean, probably even some of that Latin American uh, Afro Caribbean market mm. as well. You know, the Puerto Ricans, the Dominicans, they, they tend to have similar flavor palettes as we do. So, so we so have a couple nice other meat. things to, to look at, but first I want to, a couple other things to look at locally. But first I want to, to bring in Julian here, who's been eyeing the international markets. And Julian, you've been looking at Delta Airlines. What's up with Delta? Well, Delta Airlines is actually one of the top three US airlines. So like the rest of the travel industry, <clears throat> the company faced significant headwinds from the COVID-19 outbreak. So what we realized is that revenues fell 64% year over year, <clears throat> closing at 17 billion. And this is as at their year end, by the way, um, which ended in December. So their, 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 their net profit is actually coming through at a loss of 12.39 billion. So that's a difference of 17.15 billion compared to the prior year. Um, the thing is that their expenses fell 27%, but that was mainly because they were using less fuel. That's because they were flying less. And as a result, from all of these stress factors, their balance sheet took a big hit. So their equity actually fell 91% year over year. And that's largely because the debt they had to borrow because they weren't getting all of those streams of income from actually core um, carrying out their core operating activity. They had to borrow a lot more. So their debt actually increased by three times and more than tripled their debt. So that took a big hit to their balance sheet. And we're really bringing this into the fore because some investors might feel tempted to take a bet on Delta when the economy reopens further in the U.S. and in other areas and people start to travel some more and people might say, okay, I want to take a gamble on a travel stock. But the fact of the matter is, from a risk to reward standpoint, um, it's extremely risky because of all of these factors and investors need to at least know what they're actually going into because this company has faced immense stress. Their cash flow negative, the balance sheet is weak, they have a good competitive position but airlines are very very, very competitive as an industry. So even though they're in top three in the U.S., it's still a very tight space for them to operate in. And that are will all impact the airlines, Are all the airlines pretty much in the same boat right now, Julian? Yes, similar, definitely in a similar position. So you call definitely. all of them, categorize all of them as high risk right now? Yes, for sure. I can say that in summary, in okay. summary. Let's look locally again. So Wigton Wind Farm is a company that a lot of people are invested in. Clive, you've been looking at Wigton's latest numbers. What's up with Wigton? I think the Jamaican economy is doing one. People are staying home. And um, the, the data has indicated that um, electricity usage, energy usage has gone up. So JPS, as well as Wigton, who is a feeder company, has done quite well. Interestingly, also, on their last financials, uh, up to September, October, uh, they stated that the weather was favorable to them. And it's interesting that wind speed of one point something percent miles per hour more uh, could contributed to a significant rise in revenue 
for them. That's really very interesting on the technical side. So their revenue, so they, they did quite well, you know. Um, of course, I'm not sure if they have de declared and paid a dividend as yet, but I think that company has a far way to, well, in terms of its it, its potential, is significant. Uh, what Wigton now has to, they have more or less reached their capacity, they said, uh, based on the equipment they have, uh, they now think, have to think of replacing, which is heavy capital, uh, is a very heavily capitalized industry, uh, replacing equipment, and they're also thinking of growing, that is building out more plants, that is more of these structures that can generate greater revenue, because they really are at their capacity now. So in terms of obsolescence replacement, there's a heavy cost coming. They may have to come to the market to raise capital. Well, it is possible that they're now a public listed company. They could come to the market to raise additional capital, which is cheap. The only other way they can grow revenue now is either through cost cutting or I'm not sure they can squeeze out any more efficiency because they really are at capacity. So they ha might have to look at some way of managing costs in order to drive revenue. So they must grow in order to grow revenue in the, in the long term. And then we'll need heavy capital in, uh, investment structure investment. So they more than likely, I suspect, uh, we might hear within the year next year or two, that they will come to the market to raise additional capital. Well, they did give an indication. They were on taking stock a couple months ago, and they did give an indication that that's something they were interested in doing and raising additional capital on the yes. market. Well, before we go, let's take a, a last look at Salada, something that's a company I don't think we've discussed Salada on this program yet, but they've now announced the, the possibility of a stock split. David, you're watching that one. What's going on? So around this time last year, so that Nikki said they want to consider a stock split around March, but at the same time, it was when COVID came around, so they postponed it. So they indicated on Tuesday that they're going to consider a board meeting again, and so they will approve it, and once it's approved at the board meeting, we then go to the shareholders at the AGM. So Salada so had their last stock split in 2008, which was a 10 to 1 stock split, and the stock, you know, rallied from like 2017, 18, from like $2 to like $30 around the range is right now. And just on the news of the stock split on Tuesday, sending the stock soaring by 27% on Wednesday's trading, and it's still going up because Salada has a very small float, meaning there are very few sellers with very few units, which basically means that as those buyers come in, it's, it's a lot of demand, but low supply, and basically makes it that the price went to go up higher. And this is good for the short term, you know, right now for the company in terms of shareholders getting more value and potentially getting more liquidity in their stock if it's approved later on. But so that itself as a company is getting some quote-unquote tight binds because we saw the Jacker case back in November where the Supreme Court had a request to, you know, temporarily hold or, or cut back on the restriction to increase the sales of local capital to 30%. So in the 2017 financial year, which was the last time Salada used uh, just imported coffee straight, their raw materials cost were like around like $350 million. Now it's the $490 million, and that was with a 10% use of local coffee. So you can see a significant jump in expenses just by using 10% local coffee in their current mix. So the fact that with a 30% overall mix is going to very heavily depress the, the income statement much further because they took a 4% decline in revenue, which was kind of expected as on low domestic sales because persons were at home and everything else. But they took a 20, uh, they took a 22% drop to net profit to like $110.5 million. 
which was really driven by, you know, those higher expenses. And I said, the fact that the food increased increased in themselves now to 30% cess for local coffee in their blend is going to really drag down uh, increased expenses and drag down the income seems further. So it's not just good. Shareholders get the benefit of saying, hey. And you know, you know, people, the market general responds to news of a stock split. We saw what happened with, uh, with the key and Jamaica teas. Pulse, jam teas, yeah. So it's going to be pretty interesting right now when it's approved and everything, because when we saw Pulse had their stock split, it's up from like 8 to 13, till around 12, to split it on to like 2.70, and to 5. Jam tea was similar. Jam tea around like 570 yeah. or around six went on to Caribbean two flavors and, and fragrances same thing that as well from, yeah. from 11 to so as you said the news is going to continue it's going to give value to investors or shareholders in the short term but in the current long term we have to see what that is going to do to navigate this environment because the regulatory environment is becoming relatively more hostile because it's a local company which you know you're saying you know it should be using quotes and quote more local coffee there Sometimes it's a local company. It's, it's really bad for them because it income to be dragged further, but because their business is suffering by inefficiencies or so on. But just because the directors are forcing them to actually use a particular input, which is deleterious for their cost base. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks you so much, yeah. guys. You yeah. gave us a lot to chew on this week. We covered a lot of ground in this particular episode. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Kalila. Okay, thank you very much, Kalila. And Happy New Year. Yes, Happy, Happy New Year New to Year. all, including the viewers. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers and Proven Wealth. That's our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. Also, subscribe to our newsletter at kalilareynolds.com and turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see all my other videos. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. Now, this week on Money Mondays JA, we explain the concept of equity. What does it mean when you have equity in something? And on Money Moves JA, we're talking to customs. Did you know that you can access duty-free waivers for certain business inputs? You don't want to miss this episode. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kalila Ray and follow at TakingStockJA on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. Also visit our website, KalilaReynolds.com for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Now tell a friend about taking stock. Investing is the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Stay safe.